Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Collective Podcast. This is the place where we discuss people, ideas, marketing, technology, and anything else that feels right. I'm Sasha Owusu, Account Director of the Ted Department at Mediacom. Hello, I'm Sue Uniman, Chief Transformation Officer at Mediacom. Today, joining us is Claire Ferguson. How are you, Claire? I'm good, thank you. Apart from the rubbish weather, I'm great. Of course. <laughs> Claire is Managing Partner and Head of Agency Communications here at Mediacom, an experienced communications and marketing strategy lead and planner with 20 years experience in the industry. Claire's role covers all aspects of marketing and communications for Mediacom UK internally and externally, including PR, events, strategy, awards, internal communications and earned channel communications. Very good to have you on the episode today. Um, Thank you for inviting me. I want to start off by asking you, we ask this to all of our guests, considering what's been happening over the last couple of years how has it affected you not only on a personal level with regarding covid but also within work so it's interesting i think i mean i'm in a quite a privileged position in terms of how it's affected me probably personally i've got a nice home i have some outdoor space i live in the countryside i moved out of london years ago so from a personal perspective restrictions haven't had i guess as much effect on me as they may have on other people um, but I think in the same way that probably a lot of people feel, there is, I always feel like there's, and now we just seem to have moved into another crisis, obviously. Um, so I just feel like there is a kind of like underlying ongoing anxiety across all of society, across all levels of society. The, the part that's been personally hardest for me, which was a work-related element and a home-related element, was when my children were homeschooling. And um, that that was just really tough on loads of levels. So with one of my children, it was pretty straightforward um, because he's probably somebody that um, can get on with stuff and 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 is quite self-motivated. But my other child was um, struggling a little bit more. Um, and um, and he is not necessarily so much of a self-starter and needs yeah. that kind of interaction is a bit more extroverted, needs that interaction with children. So I think that was probably the hardest times that I had. What is the best way to balance that? homeschooling and then trying to be the best person you can at work I think you've just got to so Sue's often said this to me which I think is quite interesting because I've worked with Sue on and off for years and worked very closely together for the last eight years but um I think that you have to sort of almost to a degree give up control (laughs) like you have to kind of you have to sort of let work bleed into life and life bleed into work in that situation and you have to be totally comfortable that your children are going to turn up on a massive client call (laughs) um, or or a huge meeting or whatever it is and you're going to have to make a joke out of it and you're going to have to make a feature out of it and vice versa as well you know both ways um so I think I and, and that's something that Sue's always talked to me about but what was interesting was that period of time there was such intensity around it you just don't have a choice that's just how you have to. it's the only way that I could sort of cope if you like. Yeah. Is there anything in your career um, which um, so you and I've worked together for how many years? My, well I think I'm 20 years at Mediacom this September. You oh know. are you? Yeah. Wow congratulations so two decades. <laughs> Quite a big deal. Um, and you've I don't think you've ever done a job that you haven't been brilliant at but is there anything in your career that sort of taught you the skills to um, navigate that that you'd point to for our listeners? I think um, two things uh, which is quite interesting because it's quite early on probably in my career I think I had a lot of bosses early in my career big I had quite a big gap so I started actually at OMD as a planner and there was a reasonable gap between myself like starting as an exec essentially 
and the people that I was working for, which actually was a massive opportunity and a brilliant, brilliant learning curve. But in that three year period, I had, I think, maybe 10 or 12 different directors overseeing me. So like constant change every sort of two or three months or something like that. Yeah. Um, that was a massive learning curve. Um, and what and I would say embracing change in your role. So whether that's moving from a, one client to another or taking on new elements of your job and expanding what you do so there's like there's constant learning and constant change I think they're the things that ha that have kept me engaged and interested career-wise probably over time but I think also you 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 soak up difficulties and I've I've I, all the time that I've sort of worked with you you've got a very particular kind of attitude to them which is you know they arrive and you go okay what can I learn from this hmm. Has that, have you just always been like that? Uh, well, I think I was I was probably like that in it all goes back to school, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Always goes back to school. All the answers go back to school. But um, I kind of didn't. I had a really great I was very lucky to have a brilliant relationship with my mum and dad and my mm -hmm. sister. Mm -hmm. And I did a lot of stuff outside of school, sports wise and drama wise. And right. this, so I had like a lot of clubs and like sort of interests outside of school. And so school was something that wasn't all encompassing for me and I didn't I did have difficulties at school like most people do at different years and what have you and I think that I learned to look at those things as challenges or problems quite early to get over rather than to kind of let them absorb me and then I put my energy elsewhere whether that was into my family or into a hockey mm. as an example or into swimming mm. or whatever it was mm. so I think I so you always that, have that perspective, that balance. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, my my I, parents were older parents as well, Sue, which I right. think makes quite a big difference. So, and I had a very close relationship with my dad. But I think if you, you know, my my mum was thirty eight when she had me, which then, I mean, not unusual. now, but she was yeah. considered geriatric mother then. She wanted yeah. to be. So. Oh well, you still are now. Actually, still <laughs> I think when that. you but, have but that, it's, it, it's less unusual now. Yeah. Yeah, but when you have that sort of gap, I think it's it's quite. I think it helps you kind of mature. I was always like described as the kid with, you know, an old head on young shoulders, that hilarious saying that 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 the older people like to use. And now I'm ironically using. Anyway. I don't know whether that answer. I think that might answer. Yeah, no, that I think that's I think that that's a very interesting take on it. So on Connected, we continue to look at uh, diversity, inclusion and especially belonging. Uh, what does belonging mean to you and how important is it within the workplace? I personally think it's everything within the workplace so um and that's why I've been at Medicom for two decades yeah. <laughs> so um and I think Medicom is unique in belonging in my opinion and in my experience as well um because it you know I worked at another agency who I'm not sure I mentioned earlier or not and I'm not going to kind of name points or whatever um but um it was very different experience culturally for me and for me coming to Medicom was a very deliberate decision and um, at the time I didn't know that it was because of belonging if, if that makes sense right mm, yeah mm. but when I got to Medicom I kind of in time realized that that's what it was because at the previous place that I'd worked it was incredibly masculine overall mm. As a culture, and it has changed, I believe. And, but and that, you and did mention it earlier. Changed, but, yeah. but back then, yeah. it's changed massively. All of the agencies have, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I don't. I think that it's true of the industry having changed hugely. 
Um, but that place was very masculine as a culture um, and it was very buying focused as well, only buying focused without a kind of balance across all disciplines, if that makes sense. And I think at Medicom, we don't have that. We have a balance across everything and it's much more, it, everyone's in it together, if you sort of mean. There's the kind of this, say, this, this thing that we used to talk about years ago about Medicom, um, which is to do with this kind of Medicom bus. And a lot of my friends that were still at the agency that I hadn't worked out were kind of like, you know, I've been like running, they, they would sort of give this analogy, they've been like running behind the Medicom bus, like trying to jump on and not quite catching it. Whereas everybody else that they worked with were on the Medicom bus. And it's kind of, I don't know whether I'm directly answering the question about belonging and inclusion diversity, but I think Medicom's always had that at its core. Um, I think it's increasingly important. Obviously, it's really important for business reasons as well, not just about how people feel. Um, when they work at Medicom, because we're going to give them much better advice to our clients if we are representative of the, all of the UK. Um, and that isn't true of all of our competitors. I think that's fair to say. Do you know what I mean? So I, I, I think that there's kind of like a feeling there's a kind of culture people thing, but there's also a business reason. So it's it's kind of everything. It's why, it's why I'm still here. <laughs> so um, here we are in the uh, beginning of March 2022. What do you hope to have achieved by the end of the year? Is this a personal question or a work question? Yes, both. However you'd like to answer it. Claire. Um, OK, so I've sort of given up on personal. I'm sorry, I've, give, I've got like personal goals, but I've sort of given up on work goals, which okay. probably I don't know, you know, because um, I think I think it's I think the last two years have just taught me that you can't you just can't you can't control what you don't know is coming if you sort of yeah, mean yeah. and okay. also I've been working really closely with Sue on the agile projects so I think if I was going to get, pick a work mm. a work thing a work thing it would be about agile probably mm. because um that's just been enlightening for me personally and I think also for my team on and off although we have like good days and bad days with it um but um but philosophically I think it's a brilliant way of working and I think that's the one thing that I want to try and make sure that we've embedded more by the end of this year than we probably have for the last two years although we've made huge progress well we've made a huge huge change but is everybody using it hasn't really adopted an agile mindset no of course not so yeah so and I think it's the difference of when you talk um, and it's true, which actually interesting because I've talked to lots of people around the industry about the, about the sort of philosophy around Agile as well. So mm. not just people that work at Mediacom. Yeah. And I think that there is pockets of people that have kind of they talk about Agile and they'll talk about certain practices like stand ups or using a Kanban mm. or these various kind of things that we have. But I think that what's so valuable about it is the philosophy side of it as much yeah, as anything else. So. Um, and the lack of hierarchy. I was I was talking yes, to somebody the other day. I love. <laughs> yeah, and I think you either love that or you don't love it. I was talking to somebody the other day and they were saying that that you know they've come across instances where a, where a scrum master is perceived to be too junior to be telling everybody what to do. Whereas it's kind of like, no, 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 if your role's a scrum master, then that's you're not telling anybody what to do. It's like servant leader, you're facilitating. And I'm but reading this, um, I'm, re- I'm reading this really interesting book, which is called Turn oh. Ship Around which was on an open book a couple of weeks ago. And I don't normally read stuff that is, I'm much more like a fiction reader. Yeah. I, will, I, will read, I will read kind of books that are related to work. So when we do our client book club or yeah. those sorts of things, I, I obviously I've read Sue's books as well, you know, but I, you. I kind of, I will read those ones, but I'm like more of a fiction reader probably. Yeah. Um, but this is really interesting because it's about um, a particular, it's about the USS Santa Fe, which is a nuclear powered submarine. 
Um, and it's very much about leadership and how um, the entire crew of that submarine um, are empowered to take responsibility for their actions and how that sort of leads to a really healthy and happy culture of belonging and inclusion. It's really interesting. Oh, anyway, um, when I finish this, I'll lend it to you. No, no, I'll, I'll put it on my list. Brilliant. So moving on to the questions we ask all of our guests, uh, staying on the theme of books. Um, what is your favourite line from a poem, a song or a book? I'm assuming you're not going to pick one from the book you just told us about. <laughs> no, I'm not, actually. So it's probably it's really sentimental. Is that OK? It's like a particular song that really reminds me of when I met my husband. We met at uni and it's um, uh, Broken Stones. Um, So it's it's like it's a phrase within the beginning song. So I think it's interesting for this time as well, this time, this time in the world. But um, like pebbles on a beach kicked around, displaced by feet. Oh, like broken stones, all trying to get home. So. That, I, that that song and there's lots of lyrics in that song for me and there's a sentimental thing as well but it's the lyrics within it that I think um, I love that's, so that's my song <laughs> if you were a genie yes what five commonly available objects would I have to put in a magic circle to summon you so I would say a ki- my kindle yeah um a dog biscuit, a bonnet. <laughs> that's what I use to summon my dog, Bella. Yeah, yeah very good. Um, probably my gardening gloves. Yeah. Um, Guilty TV Pleasure, which is a Grey's Anatomy DVD. Okay. Love that. Um, and also, I think my Magi Mix. Yeah, a Magi Mix. That's yeah, absolutely because cool. I quite like, I'm not into cooking savoury stuff so much, but yeah. I love baking cakes and things like that. Yeah. What's and, your signature? Them, obviously. What's your signature cake? Uh, probably Victoria's sponge. Although at the moment the children are obsessed with making chocolate tray bake. Yeah. So. I I I think the Victoria's sponge is the queen of cakes, and yeah. I think basic as it is, it's um, it's uh, it's very it's very very subtle, and I and I and I, you know, with pride, won the. Uh, away day bake-off that I went Ooh. on a couple of years ago with my Victoria. Oh, very good. Well, Victoria sponge off, see. <laughs> well, no, I, but, I, but, it, but I, I didn't like competing with it, though, because oh, I think okay. the main ingredient of a good Victoria sponge is love. And, and therefore, ambition and competition is inappropriate. Right, so, yeah, no, I think we should have a, a Victoria sponge share. Not a, that's not a good a, idea. Not a that's a good idea, yeah. Whatever it is, I'm ready to eat Victoria sponges. Well, so. Sasha's ready to try them both. Yeah. Yeah. Right, connections week, Sasha. We'll have the Victoria sponges. They bring bring them in. Sorted. <laughs> Claire, what is your single best skill? I think it relates actually to, and it's going to. I really don't want to sound arrogant actually with this, but um, I think it relates to what Sue was saying earlier about sort of absorbing like difficulties or problems or challenges or that sort of thing. And actually what I put is finding solutions. I think I'm good at finding solutions, even if it's, and that's true in life <laughs> as in as in work. So like with my mates, as an example, or with my children, or even with school sometimes, like I'm often the person that's sort of involved in finding solutions. I think I'm good at puzzle solving, I suppose you could look at it as. Yeah. Um, what would you practice more if you had the time and the space? Yoga. Oh, OK. I love yoga. Um, and I used to do loads of it 
before we had children <laughs> and then since we've had children I've kind of like been through flirtatious phases of it mm. and being able to do it mm. and whenever I do it I'm just a much happier person mm. um, but I just find it really difficult to fit it in yeah it's 10 minutes a day class I know it's brilliant I love it where in the world real or fiction would you live or would you like to live and why so this sounds awful and I'm a massive homebody and so this answer is so boring so you might not want to include it but I'd actually live where I live. Is that awful? No that's lovely. Yeah um, but that means you're at peace that means you're happy which is yeah great. and I just want to be able to like I just like where I live I like the area yeah. like countryside yeah. like being near the coast these sorts of things yeah. and also the climate it's warm it's the southeast it's warmer than the rest of the UK but I love the UK you know I'm a big I had Italy yeah. written down. I don't know why. There's something about, about the conversation. Sorry? I had Italy written down as some as a country you would pick, but did you? Obviously, no. obviously I do love else. Italy though. We do go to Italy quite a lot. <laughs> there you go. Okay. I didn't know I didn't know there was a sweepstakes so. <laughs> <laughs> Should we write down before the uh before I, the I guests come on? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um okay, uh, now the question you cannot prepare for because they okay. come from the hundred questions from the school of life. And I warn you, we're reaching the end of the box. So some of these questions are quite difficult. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm holding up three cards and I'm uh, mixing them up. And then I'm going to go, I'm going to hold them up and I'm going to say, Claire, do you want um, A, B or C? A, please. Huh? Ah. In what ways might you be a difficult person to work with or for? <laughs> Interesting, given that we've got, um um uh, my 360 coming up I know I was a bit like, oh. <laughs> um I think that I there's a few things I think I'm very impatient um and I, I'm really aware of that but I'm very impatient <laughs> and that isn't always the best thing from a management perspective um I think I can also I do I get through quite a lot of work and so I have quite high expectations of team members in terms of workload and capacity and that sort of stuff as well which isn't always great either um what else sometimes I think that I take well one thing will do oh, one thing will do okay there we go fine no, I think you know it's. Uh, I really shouldn't say this to my line manager just before well, my trip. No, no, no. But they're, they're 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 elements that we share, right? Which is, um, and sometimes we have them of each other, which isn't yeah. always. Uh, no. you know, but it's um, it it does mean getting stuff done. I think. Yeah. <laughs> all about honesty and connected. So. Yeah, yeah. All about honesty. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Claire. Thank you very much for talking to me. Have a have a lovely a week. Thank <laughs> um, you. See you soon. See you soon. Thanks, Claire. Thank you. Bye.